Well, a very good morning from me too. Lovely to see you, kind of, uh, on this beautiful day. And welcome from me. Welcome, especially if you're joining us for the first time. We love having visitors and guests and do hang around and, and, and connect with us as we've uh, been told and encouraged. And uh, confession time from me. Uh, I don't need many excuses uh, to eat sweets and chocolate. Uh, I don't know if you knew that about me. You may be surprised, but it's true. But if I did need an excuse, uh, actually, this time of year is a real bumper uh, season for me because in the house, there's generally something lurking behind a sofa left over from Christmas, which is great. There's our wedding anniversary in January. There's Valentine's Day in February. There's um, Mother's Day coming up. Not that Hills is my mum, but it doesn't stop chocolate coming into the house. Uh, there's Hills's birthday very soon. And then there's Easter. So every excuse to uh, eat lots of sweets. And then if you throw lockdown, uh, lockdown blues into the mix, um, I don't need many excuses to uh, enjoy sweets. And that brings me to something that I have rediscovered, which I am really enjoying right now. You probably can't see those, but I think we've got a picture on the screen. Uh, love hearts. Do you remember those love hearts? I've kind of been reminded about love hearts just recently. These beautiful, uh, exciting, consumable, profoundly deep messages written on sweet things. Uh, stuff like, only you, and ever yours, and hug me, and all mine, and things like that. So there is my totally trivial uh, way into a rather more serious question that we're considering this morning as we, can, as we continue in this Exodus series, and like Andrew says, on the Ten Commandments, because I felt God uh, inviting us to consider this rather unusual question today in relation to, to the commandments. What has God written on your heart? You, you see what I did there with the love hearts? What has God written on your heart? I, I believe God this morning is really wanting to encourage us actually um, to be renewed in our confidence and actually even in our excitement and the reality and the depth and the beauty of his covenant promises to us. And we'll come towards the end about how we might renew our own response to that beautiful covenant. But here's that question. What has God written on your heart? And maybe if we push that a little bit further, what God is writing on our hearts, how is that then being expressed in, in, in our lives? So uh, the prophet Jeremiah, you probably know this, he, he's not generally known for being a cheerful chappy. Um, he's usually found, finding something to get upset about and, and uh, something to, to moan about or be, be, be uh, worried about. But he gives this beautiful prophetic picture, chapter 31 of Jeremiah, of what God is going to do for his people. Here's Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 33. This is the covenant important word, that I will make with the people of Israel, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. And I'll be their God and they will be my people. And remember the focal point of that law, the essence of what God the creator has given to us the created by way of a framework for uh, for, for human flourishing, is contained in what we call the Ten Commandments, the focal point of the law. Uh, God, of course, had to give them three times, actually. You might remember that in the story, uh, in the story of Exodus. The first time, God spoke out uh, the commandments over the whole people in, in Exodus 20. And in fact, uh, Liz, in the, in the Lent devotional this morning, was kind of reminding us a little bit of the context of that in Exodus 19, how that then happens. The second time, uh, God then wrote it on tablets of stone for Moses on uh, Mount Sinai. Remember that? Uh, and it's the kind of thing that lends itself to really terrible visual jokes, by the way. So forgive those, but I'll just throw in one or two at the beginning and then I promise I'll stop. 
But, but so, so God gives them to Moses on, on the mountain. Moses comes down from the mountain. He finds that the people of God are worshipping uh, a cow made out of mel- melted earrings. You probably remember that bit of the story. And uh, Moses quickly becomes the first person ever and only to break all Ten Commandments all in one go because he smashes the tablets on the ground uh, in anger. That, that joke was as, about as bad as Andrew's last week. The third time, Moses goes back up the mountain uh, and this time God dictates uh, again uh, the, the commandments and, and, and Moses engraves them on the tablets of stone and eventually they, they get placed in uh, the Ark of the Covenant and we'll come to that later in the series. So familiar stuff, we, we know the story. 300 little words, that's all it is uh, in English anyway, in the, in the English language. 300 words, a recent government protocol uh, I was looking up to regulate the price of cabbages ran to 439,276 words. But here is the focal point of God's law expressed in just 300 words. Not a lot to remember. The psalmist in 119, Psalm 119 says this, I will never forget your commandments. I will never forget your commandments for by them you give me life itself. Think about that for a minute. By your commandments you give me life itself itself, and I'll never forget them. I wonder if you've forgotten. I wonder if you can remember them. Andrew was challenging us. Can you remember uh, the commandments? Do you remember them? A recent survey in in America found that fewer than 40% of adults could name more than five of the Ten Commandments, but over half the people claimed to live by all the commandments. Kind of how easily we deceive ourselves. And this is a part two, like Andrew said, and last week, if you missed it, do catch up. Andrew, he reminded us of the context a little bit of these, this amazing gift that God has given us in his law. He reminds us that God spoke these words over the people. Why? Because he's a relational, communicating God, drawing us into, into covenant relationship and longing for that relationship with us. Second, that it was God who gave this law with all the, all the authority the weight of authority that that gives to them, as is God's right. These are ten commandments, not, not suggestions, not just helpful guidance. And then third, he was saying they form relational covenant. This is about covenant. It's not about business contract where, you know, if we do X, God does Y. It's not that. No, he's drawn us into covenant, and this is the, the heart of it in the Old Testament. So today we're just moving briefly from context, as it were, into content, a bit the content of these Ten Commandments. You might want to find them. I'll give you some verses to look up in just a minute. Not that I can do justice to Ten Commandments in about 20 minutes. That would only give me two minutes each, and I'm not even going to attempt to try very much. So again, follow up. That's why we're studying this as a family, aren't we, in groups. We're following up. There'll be some discussion questions, and let's be reading and studying and pondering and praying further on these things. But let me remind, remind us first of a quick summary. Do you remember uh, Jesus' summary of the law? He's asked this question, Jesus, which are the greatest commandments? And uh, Jesus answers, love the Lord your God with everything you've got, basically, and love other people in just the same way. Love God with everything that you've got. And then love people in the same way. Love God, love others. And again, I know this is familiar, friends, but just think about, about this for a minute. What an incredible and beautiful framework for holistic living, doing life successfully according to God the Creator's perfect design. Love God, love others. Can you imagine how the world would look if we followed this? 
What a beautiful gift. Sweeter than honey, Andrew is reminding us from Psalm 19. Sweeter than honey. This is a gift. I think God is reshaping our perspective on his law, on commandments. It's one of the things he's doing at the moment. If we expand Jesus' summary, love God, love others, just a little bit more, again in the way that Andrew referred to last week, the first four commandments just dwell a little bit more on what it is to love God. First loyalty to him, top priority to him. So slide on the screen coming. Worship God only. Put nothing before him. Honor his name. Keep his Sabbath. Love God in doing these things. And then the next six, they're a little bit more aligned to the idea of loving other people. How do we stack up with these? The value of every life that God has created, so don't kill. The protection of all the relationships that he's given us to enjoy. Honoring parents, for example, being faithful in marriage. And then those three at the end, the foundations for, for community life to flourish. Don't steal, don't lie, don't be envious. We're going to come back to, to some of those in just a moment. A few reactions uh, as I'm saying these things and as you're thinking. Ten commandments, ten commandments. Yeah, what does that sort of stir in me? A few possible reactions that I, I suspect we might be having. Number one, yep, Tim, uh, beautiful framework for human flourishing as God intends. Loving him, loving others, God nailed it with the ten commandments. Go God, well done. Number two, a bit more serious, uh, I know this isn't supposed to be a tick list, right? But I can't help seeing it a bit like that. And actually, as we go through them, I, I recognize I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm quite strong on that one, and, I, and I'm maybe not quite so bad on, on that one, but mm, that one's a bit tricky. I haven't killed anybody recently, and I don't swear or steal too much. I, I'm not so sure about doing Sabbath properly, and don't push me on whether I tell the odd porky pie, but hey, six and a half out of ten, that's not too shabby. Maybe there's a little bit of that going on in us, the kind of tick list reaction, I'm, I'm good on this, less good on that. Third reaction possible reaction. More seriously, these are obviously headlines. They're, they're summaries. They need working out. What are the, the deeper, richer uh, implications of each of these? How is God growing me then in my, in my understanding of them, in my convictions, in my mindset, in the way that I think about these things, my choices then, my habits, so that I love him better, so that I love other people better? including my enemies, by the way, so that I serve God's purposes for me in his world better. How do I work, on, work these things out? That's the third reaction. Here's the fourth, and I'm going to dwell on this one a little bit. Tim, as significant as the Ten Commandments clearly are, this is Old Testament law, right? But we are New Testament people, New Covenant believers, under grace and not law. So basically, are these rules still valid or not? What importance do they have? How, how concerned should I be about obeying them? And what happens if I don't? I mean, come on, it, it's actually a little bit weird. Joking aside, 300 words written on some old stone tablets a few thousand years ago. What's going on there? I, I want you to find Hebrews uh, chapter 10 in your Bibles, if you could. Uh, this, this is Jeremiah's prophecy. I've already quoted it, but it's now requoted in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Uh, and verses 15 to 17. I'm just going to read these three verses, and then I'm going to make some points from them briefly. Hebrews 10, 15. It's on the screen as well. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. I love that start. The Holy Spirit testifies to us about this. First he says, and here's the Jeremiah quote, This is the covenant that I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds... And I will write it upon their hearts. 
And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. So just a few things. I want to say four things briefly about this. I love that the Holy Spirit testifies to us about these things. Number one, God's law is alive and well. God's law is alive and well. Like the psalmist says, God's law is still life-giving. See, God doesn't say here, uh, oh, that's, that's the old stuff, and I'm now cancelling the law, and I'm replacing it with something better. And those Ten Commandments, yeah, I've come up with a different, a different sort of set. And Jesus' teaching doesn't do that either. Matthew 5, Jesus says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Not only so, in the teaching of Jesus, remember, he takes them further. He does the exploratory, deepening, expanding kind of work that we also need to do. He, Jesus says things like, you've heard, you, you've heard it said X, but I say to you X plus five. So for example, don't just, uh, it's not just don't kill people physically, but don't wish people dead in the way that you're angry towards them or bitter towards them. Love them, bless them, forgive people who hurt you, even your enemies and those people who do terrible things to you. X plus five, not just X. Honor your parents, right? But yeah, honor your parents right through life in every phase and stage and implication of that, uh, even when it might not be very convenient, even when it's costly, even when it's hard to maybe love them, serve them, honor them, respect them in certain ways. How about don't steal? There it is in the comment. Don't steal. That's not just don't nick stuff. It's don't be a taker. In who you are, in your character, don't be a taker. Don't be a taker of somebody else's uh, uh, credit. Don't be a taker of glory. Don't be a taker of possessions. Don't be a taker of, of somebody else's opportunity. Be a giver, not a taker in life. How about that last one? Don't covet in the, in the, uh, in the list of Ten Commandments. But that's, don't, don't be envious. Don't be envious of not, not just of somebody's spouse or somebody's uh, house or somebody's car or the kinds of holidays that somebody can take. Not just envious of that, but don't be envious of their success. Don't be envious of uh, somebody's social media likes or, or following or their looks or, or, or anything else about them. You see how these work out. Love God with everything you've got. Love other people with everything you've got. Worship God only and always. Don't have idols, says the second commandment. Idols, yeah, for them were, were, were little sort of far, funny carvings in, in wood maybe. And maybe we think about it still even like that, that word idol. But an idol is anything that we attach our hearts to more than we attach them to God. An idol is anything that we attach our hearts to more than we attach them to God. Our kids, our money, our health, our future, our reputations, our standard of living, whatever. Love God, love people with everything you've got. Love as a verb, by the way, not as a Hollywood emotion. We get that right, we know that. Love as a verb, not just a a romantic notion, a commitment of the heart, a decision of the will that works itself out in choices when it comes easily and when it doesn't come easily, when there's a price to pay. These are my commands, says God. The law is alive and well. It's stunning. Let's not miss that this morning. At the very least, as we ponder the Ten Commandments in this season, let's not miss. This is stunning. Absolutely stunning. Can we even begin to contemplate what the world would look like 
if these were lived out, these kingdom values governed our actions on a wide scale. What a gift they are to us. And this is his plan, not just his plan, but his commands. They're alive and well. And so if we fear God rightly in the sense of, in the biblical sense, we will be afraid of the consequences of not living these out. It's part of what the fear of God means, the fear of the consequences of breaking his beautiful law. Number two, God has written the law on our hearts. Let's get to the the core of of this message. God has written this law on our hearts. And the heart, by the way, again, not just the, 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 a place of emotion, but for, for the Hebrew people and therefore for us in this understanding, the, the place of our, our, convic- our deepest convictions, our decision-making, the way that we, we, we bring our mindset to bear, our wills to bear, all of that. See, it didn't work for God to give his people the law on tablets of stone. Why? Because their hearts were stony. Even when they did obey some of the laws, it was a bit like uh, you know, obeying the speed limit just in order not to get a fine rather than actually believing that it's good to drive at a certain speed within wise limits and, and, and actually wanting to do so. Uh, not that I'd know much about that. The law itself is powerless. I have to recognize that. It's powerless to change anything. Just because the law says, don't steal. The law says, honor your parents. It doesn't mean that the law offers any power to do those things. And so the people kept falling and failing. We know that. See, if obedience to this law keeping these Ten Commandments, for example, if, if that's the standard for, uh, for, for getting rights with God, for being in good relationship with him, then nobody makes it. Not a single person ever makes it. Imagine I've got a, a bucket here uh, suspended on a, on a chain and, and, and there's ten links in the chain and it's suspended over a well. How many of the links have to break for that bucket to fall down the, the well? Well, only one. Or two or three, it doesn't matter how many break, the bucket falls. And Romans reminds us, all of us have sinned. All of us. All the links in that chain are broken. We've broken all of them. We fall short of the glory of God. Paul says it. He says, uh, I, I know what's right, but I keep messing up. And the Lord doesn't stop me. It's powerless to help me. It just makes me aware of my messing up. No amount of good performance on my part is ever going to get me into God's books. Is ever going to make me acceptable enough even make me 1%, it will make him rather, 1% more likely to accept me or forgive me. No amount of good performance, however good or bad. So, God, does God bin the law if it's powerless? No, the law is alive and well. He makes a new covenant. Friends, we have to get the beauty of this. He makes a superior covenant, if you like, just as he told Jeremiah that he would in these verses. Have you got them open? Hebrews 10. Through the blood of Jesus, the one man who never messed up, who pays at Calvary for all our rebellion. There's Hebrews 10, 17. Their sins, our sins, and lawless acts, breaking of the law, I will remember no more. I will remember them no more. That's the gift of Calvary. That's the crux of the gospel. It's the reason that we're even here today. Forgiven, freed from that curse of being condemned and powerless under the law. And so he then fulfills what he said to another prophet, Ezekiel, just a few years after Jeremiah. He says this, uh, Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart with new and right desires. I'll put a new spirit in you and I'll take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart. 
and I'll put my spirit in you so that you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. Incredible, incredible verses. We need to dwell on them this week. Stony hearts replaced by soft ones. And if you've given your heart to Jesus, then what God says is this, I've written my law on that heart inside you. A law written internally on our hearts, not externally, on tablets of stone. Number three, nearly there. The law then stunningly becomes something that I want to do in response to God's grace rather than something that I must try harder to do in order to make him pleased. Do we get that? My name is already in his book. The covenant's been written in the blood of Jesus. His laws are now written on my heart. So I need this whole perspective shift. It enables me to do that. So yes, there's still commands. But at their core, they're invitations. Somebody described the Ten Commandments as invitations wrapped in obligations. I rather like that. Because they're relational. There may be some uh, unwritten rules of marriage, maybe, about how to to love and respect your spouse. But I personally, and I'm pretty sure uh, Andrew doesn't and other married people don't here, I don't keep a a list in my bedside table of those rules, top 10 things that I need to do to make Hills happy. I don't take out that list every day and go, oh no, uh, I've got to try and do that one better. Oh no, if I I don't do those three, then you know she's in danger of of walking off or, or being cross with me or something. No, I'm learning. I'm learning, I'm still learning after 31 years. I'm learning what makes Hills happy, what blesses her, how to express my love in ways that she appreciates. And Cadbury's play their part in that along with the Holy Spirit and Bumblebee's flower shop and a few other places. But I don't need, do you see, I don't need some external list. I don't need an external set of rules to tell me to apologize to her when I've hurt her or to compliment her or to make sure that I create some time so that we spend time together or whatever, whatever. These things are written on my heart because I know her and I love her and I want her to be blessed and we live under the covenant of of marriage. And the next verse in Jeremiah 33, by the way, says this. I didn't read it earlier, but here it is. It's verse 34, Jeremiah 31. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord... Because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. That's an amazing verse. The knowing there is this Hebrew concept of intimacy, of closeness, of connection, of relational heart-to-heart journey. Only possible when when two parties are are committed to each other in relationship. I think it's what some of Paul's prayers are about to to the Ephesians and the Colossians and, and churches like that. He says, I pray that you'd have more revelation and understanding about God. Why? Because the more revelation and understanding I have about God, the more I come to know him in this way. And the more that we come to know God, inevitably, because he's so amazing as we come to know him, the more we come to love him. And the more we come to love the things that he loves and the more we come to commit ourselves to him and the more we come to commit ourselves to the things that he wants us to do and to be and so the more that love expresses itself in action loving him and then loving others with everything we've got this is the flow and the journey it's the outflow of the law being an internal thing and not an external thing final thing from these verses we've seen the holy spirit doesn't just communicate, testify to us about these things, although he's doing that right now. He's testifying to us about the reality of those things. But Hebrews 10, verse 15, he empowers us to do them. 
He empowers us to do them. Ezekiel 36, I'll put my spirit in you so that you will obey my laws and do what I command. Beautiful. I'll put my spirit in you so that you can obey and do what I command. The, things, the very thing that you want to do. You want to do it. We want to express our love. We want to, the, the law is written on our hearts. It's an expression of God's gift to us. His, his, his beauty expressed in, in, in words and commands. And he wants us to live those things out. And we want to do that too. Can we? Yes, says God. We can. Because I'm putting my Holy Spirit within you to do these things. Let's not miss how good this is. Let's not miss how good this is. What an incredible gift that is. God's new covenant. His Holy Spirit within me. I'm now enabled. I'm empowered not just to want to do the things that he's written on our hearts. But I'm actually able, enabled to do them. To love God more and more. To love others more and more. With everything that I've got. So that bit by bit, I get transformed. My life gets transformed. It begins to look a bit more like Jesus. And so that through that process, through my loving of others, with everything that we've got as a church, the world around us gets transformed too, in Jesus' name. Amen.